There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. Today, Centauri and I were joined by Adam Levin, co-founder of Credit.com, founder and chairman of CyberScout, and author of the book Swiped. We had a great conversation about the recent Equifax data breach, to what each of us needs to do to protect ourselves from having our identity stolen, and or what to do once our information has been compromised. This, is, this was a very timely show, and I strongly encourage you to follow Adam's advice. You can learn more about Adam at adamlevin.com, cyberscout.com, or as always, click contact us and we'll get you what you need. Thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe to the show. Feel free to share the episode on social media. That's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me as always is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. And helping us move from awareness to action today is Adam Levin, the chairman and founder of CyberScout and author of the book Swiped. Welcome, Adam. Thank you very much for inviting me, guys. Centauri, do you think that you are more or less at risk of cyber theft because your name is Centauri Miner? <laughs> That's a good question. I <laughs> I never thought about that. Um, uh, I don't. I honestly don't know. I would assume less because, like, no one's like that is not a name you're googling to like find data from. But maybe it's like the exact opposite. Uh, that's a big, exact opposite thought press. I have. I have no idea. Adam, is he more or less at risk because he has a unique name? It really depends upon identity thief. Oh, it depends upon what he looks like. Assuming he's going to try to create um, a fake license or fake ID using Tentari's name. Oh. But if it's if transactions done online, I don't think it really much matters. I think that he is as exposed as well as as not exposed as any of us may be. <laughs> and frankly, we're all exposed. Wow, okay. So I know you've been very busy over the past couple of days with the... Uh, with the news coming out about the the breach of Equifax. And Centauri and I were just talking about that, and we were joking. It's like, Equifax, you had one job. One thing to do. <laughs> so can, can you tell us a little bit about what happened, how in the world a credit agency got hacked, for lack of a better term? Well, there was a flaw in software that they were using. And someone was able to exploit that flaw and get into the Equifax system as to how they didn't track it sooner. It didn't pop up. I don't know. And I can't answer for the kind of, uh, of software or, or monitoring programs that they use. Uh, certainly, that was a fail. But what was an even bigger fail was the way that they handled the breach. Mm. You know, the way, and if you look back in history, Johnson & Johnson, after the Tylenol disaster, where people were murdered because literally poison was put in in Tylenol bottles, they, they were viewed always as the role model for how to take a disaster and turn it into something that ultimately was positive for consumers and positive for the company. 
in the case of Equifax in this breach, if one were to write a book of how to handle a breach, uh, they would not be the role model. And from the opening statement that this is, quote, a disappointing event, unquote, for the company, uh, that's not comforting to consumers to hear that it's disappointing when their lives could be turned upside down uh, as a result of their information getting out there. The concept that they first started with, that they were going to charge a fee for credit freezes, then they weren't, then they were, then they weren't. Uh, the fact that they had a, uh, a line in their uh, terms of service that said that uh, if you uh, sign up for our one-year uh, monitoring uh, resolution program, that you have to agree to essentially forced arbitration and give up all rights to be part of the class action lawsuit. That didn't sit too well with the National Consumer Law Center, federal and state regulators or consumer groups. Uh, so as a result, they finally took that one out. Um, they set up a website that it was very weirdly configured. So when some of the browsers went to it, it looked as if it was a phishing site which scared people half to death. Uh, their phone lines, of course, were completely uh, blocked, uh, clogged because millions of people were in panic calling them to find out, A, if they were part of the impacted group, and then B, if they were eligible for some form of, of recovery assistance. So, I mean, it, it just, the way a company is supposed to operate is with urgency, transparency, and empathy. And when you hear that certain members of the uh, uh, senior management and board were selling stock between the discovery of the breach and the announcement of it, when you see a, a, over a 30-day lag time between the discovery of the breach and the announcement of it, all those factors coming together create the perfect storm, and it's not a good one for Equifax. So what do you think it was? Why did management, or what are your thoughts on why did management wait? Why, why did they mess this up so bad? Was it... Uh, uh, a lack of foresight? Was it lack of preparedness? Was it something a little bit more nefarious? What was it? No, I'm not sure it was nefarious. I think it was just a lack of foresight and failure to have a plan. And, you know, one of the most important things that I try to urge companies to do is, unfortunately, we're living in a world where breaches have become the third certainty in life. And combine that with the massive amount of oversharing that people do on social networking. And we are all sitting ducks, unfortunately. And companies have to assume that somebody's going to make a mistake and they are going to end up in the eye of the storm. So therefore, they need to practice what I call the three M's, which is minimize their risk of exposure, reduce their attackable surface. They need to monitor their systems very closely because just because you're secure any one minute doesn't mean you're secure the next. We're living in the cyber world where everything is real time. And the third is they have to manage the damage. They have to have a plan in place that assumes something will go wrong. They have to have a team of people that are trained to respond literally like sailors on a nuclear submarine by muscle memory. They have to be empathetic to their customers. They have to have a resolution program in place complete with whatever tools that they need, and they have to always keep in the back of their mind that you're going to be dealing with a wounded population that feels extremely unhappy toward you as an organization. You have to win these people back, and the only way to win them back is to go overboard and say that there are things we'll do for you that we wouldn't normally do because we feel your pain. Wow.
Got it. So what is your advice to people that they went to that website and they typed in their information and it says, yes, you in fact were impacted by this? Well, first of all, we found situations where people typed in information, both correct and incorrect, and either heard that they weren't impacted or they were. Uh, so it, it's one of those things where nobody really knows for sure, plus the fact you have to assume that when a breach is announced, that doesn't necessarily mean the investigation is over and that they may find a lot more people impacted by it. So my first message to anybody, uh, and frankly, anybody means anybody, because Equifax has information on all of us, whether we gave it to them voluntarily or not, they are a data broker, they gather information, slice it, dice it, and sell it. So you have to assume between Equifax and all the other breaches that have occurred over the years where millions upon millions of files and social security numbers were exposed, you have to assume that you're exposed and you have to act accordingly. And in the case of consumers, you have to exercise the three M's. And the first is, so how do you minimize your risk of exposure? How do you um, manage, uh, how do you, how do you uh, 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 reduce your attack surface? So make sure that your passwords are long and strong uh, because when information is sold on the dark web, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come complete with a social security number. Somebody may try to fish you. So have long and strong passwords. Use two-factor authentication on websites. That means mm. that anyone's attempting to use your information to log on to a financial website or a social or email-related website, that you get notification of it and that you stop them cold because the code goes to your cell phone. Now, if you use security questions as the mode of confirming that you're you in the event they're not sure who it is because it's a foreign device, that's what they call a strange device that they haven't seen before, um, lie when you set up your security question protocol. Uh, no one is going to do a, a an OPM-type background investigation for security clearance to determine whether mm. the name you gave them as your mother's maiden name is actually your name her name. Uh, you don't have to give them the real name of your dog or your street or the high school you went to or your high school mascot or the town you grew up in. Why like a superhero? I mean, Clark Kent doesn't tell people he's Superman and Bruce Wayne doesn't walk around with a Batman pin on his chest. So why um, like a superhero? Also, um, when you are contacted by anyone, and I don't care who they say they are, and they ask you to authenticate yourself, Hang up. Go to wherever it is they said they were calling from, assuming you have a relationship with that organization. If it's a bank, look at the back of your credit or debit card. If it's a brokerage firm, look at your brokerage statement. If it's the IRS, trust me, it isn't the IRS. They don't call. Um, and make sure you're on the right website, that it says HTTPS, and that if anything looks strange, if any colors look off, if the logo looks off, get off. Don't click on any link that's sent to you, even by someone that you know. Confirm with the person you know that they actually sent you the link. And then even then be careful because somebody might have sent them the link. And that link could be malware, which could put ransomware on your computer or turn your computer into a uh, transmitting device that sends login information to thieves. Get credit for this. Um, Equifax is going to give you one free for a certain period of time, but that seems to change by the minute as to uh, 
how long that time is going to be. But you also need to go to TransUnion and Experian. You need to set up individual credit freezes. It's not as cumbersome as the old days, much faster. And the reason is that if you have a credit freeze, no one, including you, can gain access to your credit for the purpose of opening a new account. Wow. Uh, without that freeze being thawed, that thaw is being done by way of a unique PIN number. So if that PIN number isn't entered, the credit is frozen, that means someone can't open a new account. The second M is monitor. And the best way to monitor is you can go to annualcreditreport.com, get a free copy of your credit reports once a year. It's mandated by the federal government that the agencies make that available to you. Uh, Equifax is certainly at this point, I think, willing to give you a free credit report. <laughs> um, there are websites like Credit Karma, Credit.com, Credit Sesame uh, that offer access to credit reports and scores for free. Uh, and they're updated uh, frequently. So consider uh, going and, and building a relationship with those websites. You also need to keep track of your credit scores because if they take a sudden, precipitous, unexplained drop, it's either because you didn't pay on time, you're using too much of your available credit, or you're a victim of identity theft, you'd want to know about any of those three things. And obviously identity theft is the most serious. Uh, you also need to check your accounts on a daily basis, bank and credit. And for those people who say, well, I don't have the time, I don't want to do that, okay, then sign up for what's called transactional alerts. They are available through your bank, your credit union, or your credit card company, and this is as much for them as it is for you. It notifies you anytime there's activity in your account so that you can check and make sure that that was actually you. Also, you will get explanation of benefit statements from your health uh, insurer. You need to look at those statements carefully because medical identity theft could be one of the outcomes of this Equifax breach. So you need to know if someone had an exam that it was you, if someone had a medical treatment that it was you. Uh, also, you don't want to get caught in a situation where you go to fill a prescription and as far as the pharmacy is concerned, you can't prove you're you anymore because someone else was using your information and getting prescriptions in your name. They can also get into your health insurance as a result of this. And some of the lifetime caps or annual caps, uh, it could in fact be hit as a result of someone using it for medical identity theft. You should also consider more sophisticated forms of monitoring. Monitoring that not only monitors credit, but monitors your social security number. So it's monitoring your identity. And that's an important one. And there are some programs available that have what's called instant alerts. And that's instead of saying, hey, George, someone a few days ago opened an account in your name. It's George. Someone's attempting to open an account in your name right now. Is it you or not? Yes or no? If you hit no, all sorts of bells and whistles go off and the application is stopped. And then the third M, manage the damage. Now, a lot of people don't realize that through their insurance company, their financial services organization, or the HR department where they work, there is a program available to them to help them through identity incidents. And depending upon the institution and the length of the relationship with the institution or the way they offer it, it could be free. You could even get monitoring products at discounted prices as a result of that. So check with your insurance agent your financial services rep, the HR department where you work, say, do you have a program 
for identity incidents, am I in it? If not, what do I need to do to get in it? And is it free or what's it going to cost? And trust me, whatever the cost is, provided it's not something insane, it's worth the cost because if you become a victim of a more exotic form of identity theft, then new account uh, takeover, either, well, there's account takeover, which is where they take over your bank account or your credit card, usually one phone call, that goes away. It gets a little more complicated if you're taking money out of your bank account through an ATM. But once you hit new accounts, which could there be many that are created by people running around the countryside with your information, or you become a victim of medical identity theft or criminal identity theft, or your child becomes a victim, or you become a victim of synthetic identity theft where they use your information, combine it with other people's information, and then create a bionic person. Uh, these are going to be more complicated as well as tax fraud. So you need a professional helping you. These programs are out there. They're available. A professional will help you. And it's just a wise investment. So where would you, that's a, thanks for that information. That's really comprehensive for our listeners who are probably saying oh, that's a, you know, that's really overwhelming. What's, I know we have the three M's, but where do, where do I start right now? So I, we get off this uh, recording of this podcast. Where do I go now to say, all right, I need to figure this out. Okay. Well, there are a few things. You can go to the website that was set up by the Consumer Federation of America. It's called idtheftinfo.org. It's idtheftinfo.org. You can go to the uh, websites of the three credit reporting agencies. Uh, you can go to companies like LifeLock. You can go through your companies uh, to uh, services that are offered, like, for instance, CyberScout is one of the services offered through a lot of insurance companies. So talk to your insurance agents. Say, listen, I, 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 along with a half the world, are probably uh, impacted by the, the Equifax breach, what do I do? Where do I go? Where do you suggest I go? Where can I get information? There'll be information also on the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau website, or any information on the Federal Trade Commission website, uh, information on the Privacy Rights Clearing uh, uh, House website. So there's a lot of information out there and available. But also be really careful if you get a phone call from someone claiming they have something to do with helping you through this breach, or you get an email that asks you to click on a link uh, and provide information. That's where scammers are out there now, too. So you just you have to be on your guard. Wow. Got it. <clears throat> if you were to hazard a guess as to what the person or entity who stole this data is going to do with it, what What would that guess be? That's a wonderful question. They're going to sell it. They're going to sell it on the dark web. They're going to sell it either in pieces or uh, in, in, in full. And I don't mean in full. The entire database, they'll probably break it up. And they could sell it as a consumer dossier, a full information called FOLS, F-U-L-L-Z. That's where they can get up to $30 per file. So, um, but there's no question there. Or if for whatever reason, they sell part of it, the person who buys it doesn't get all of it, doesn't get the full piece of information they need in order to be able to replicate you, it's highly likely that someone's going to attempt to fish you. 
either through fishing, which is deer card holder, deer account holder, deer member, spear fishing, which would be uh, deer Bob, uh, fishing, which is where you get a phone call, you think it's from your bank, it's not, they ask you for information, or uh, smishing, which is text-based fishing, where you get a text that says your account is frozen, click here and uh, give us additional information on you so we really know it's you and you're paying attention, and oh, by the way, we'll thaw your account. So you just really need to be very careful. Go to reputable organizations for assistance. Make sure that you see all of the indices of a legitimate website like HTTPS, if it asks for information, or the lock, and uh, be active. Uh, someone said so. Let's say I'm a victim of this breach and I don't do anything. Does that matter? I said, well, two words come to mind. Sitting duck. <laughs> and you, you really don't want that. You need to be proactive about it because the truth is your information is out there, has been out there. This is kind of like an exclamation point on what the issue has been. Consumers claim they have breach fatigue. You have a lot of people that say nobody cares about me. I'm just a regular person. They want the rich people. Well, you know what? When it comes to hackers and scammers and identity thieves, each and every one of us is Kim Kardashian. We have what they want. They can use what we have. There's a pot of red gold at the end of the rainbow for them. And so as a result, we are all at risk. We are all exposed. And there's no foxhole to hide in here. Wow. So tell us a little bit about... Um I often wonder how consumers are reacting to uh, proactive solutions from financial institutions. So, for instance, I bank with Bank of America, and they're really good or bad about if there's something fraudulent on an account immediately shutting off your, your, your debit card, which can come at an inconvenience, uh, obviously, because you have to go through a process if you're at the grocery store to actually get it reactivated. So you feel good that you're protected, but you're also quite annoyed that that, that disturbance is happening in your day. Have you seen any uh, data or any any stories about folks figuring out how to how to make that more of a smoother process or anyone else being very upset with that? Well, you know, there are a lot of people that if it's a choice between convenience and security, they always want convenience. <laughs> like, for instance, when you download an app and it says uh, permissions um, or terms of service or whatever, and they say, I agree or I don't agree, people never read them and they click on them. And half the time, they don't even know what they're agreeing to. And yeah. oftentimes, they're agreeing to things that expose them. So, you know, when, when you're given an opportunity to become a member of a loyalty club, and they've, they've almost made it so that it's draconian if you don't. Because the people around you are getting 25 and 30% discounts, and you're not. So you, you know, you want to do it. And I say, look, live your life. Be a member of any program you want to be. Know that we're going to be tracked. Our information is going to be gathered and that it's going to be stored, sometimes securely, oftentimes not securely. That information is going to be compromised. So practice the three M's. And in particular, be extremely sensitive to anything that doesn't look right. And, you know, as we like to say in New York, if you see something, say something. Notify your bank or financial institution if there's something wrong, if there's a transaction that doesn't look right, if you get a notification from a debt collector and you think, ah, it's a mistake, it may well not be a mistake. 
if you uh, attempt to file your tax return and it's blocked because they say someone using your social security number filed a tax return already and asked for a refund, don't think they're kidding you and don't think that they've made a mistake. Also, uh, because now so many people will have social security numbers that aren't theirs, many people are going to go get jobs with social security numbers of others. It is highly likely that the income from that job is going to re be reported to the social security number of the victim. So if you get a notice from the IRS saying you have a deficiency because you woefully underreported your income, hmm. don't just assume that when you say to the IRS, look, here are my W-2s, my 1099s, my 1098s, God, I gave you everything, that, that they made the error. It may well be that they didn't make the error, that someone is using your information for their benefit and that, uh, that you are uh, being negatively impacted by it. And also remember, as a result of this breach, if it's a credit card number, you make a phone call, generally problem over zero liability. If it's a debit card number, most cases the same, though if they start crawling into your bank account, a different story. It requires more effort. But if it's your social security number, and there are now at least 143 million of them lurking around out there, this is with you for the rest of your life. And one year of, of free service, don't feed the bulldog. Bottom line is that the only expiration date on a social security number is your expiration date. <laughs> and frankly, a lot of people become victims of identity theft even after they pass away. So what I say to folks is if you have to endure a little inconvenience, like dealing with a credit freeze, or your bank is a little tougher on you over the next year or two because they're worried, they're trying to protect you and them, and you download an app and you say, oh, I can save the user ID and, and password to my phone, that'll be easy, or I could spread passwords across every website I have in the world because then I won't forget them, and that's easy, and I don't really want to sign up for two-factor authentication because I don't want to have to go through a situation where I have to put a code and what if I don't have my cell phone on me? It is better to suffer a little inconvenience than endure the agony that you will in the event you become a victim of some form of identity theft. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you to uh, to give us some scenarios that that would really scare people, but I, I you've I done like, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've accomplished that. Can you... I've got them, by the way. You know, anyone should. You know, my uh, one of the ones that actually stands out, and it can be dealt with actually rather simply before it happens, is you know you turn on your computer and all of a sudden your screen is frozen. And then a skull appears with a ticking clock, ticking back from 90 hours, telling you that you uh, your files have been encrypted. And unless you pay them a certain amount of Bitcoin, either of those files will be deleted or they'll simply be permanently encrypted and you'll never get the decryption key. Now that happens because ransomware has gotten on your computer. The ways to avoid that are, A, don't click on links. Uh, B, don't give your information to people you don't know. Uh, C, always make sure when you get a notice from your software company, your operating system folks, time to update or it's time to upgrade, don't flick it away like it's a mosquito. 
take it seriously, upgrade, update, and most importantly, backup. Backup all the data on your work computer, backup all the data on your personal computer, in your home network. Always make sure you have what's called an air-gapped backup, which means either a USB encrypted thumb drive or you have as many systems offered by companies like Carbonite and others where you can intermittently backup. What you don't want is to have a backup system running on your network that is constantly running 24-7 because if ransomware gets on your network, uh, it can crawl right through the network, right into the backup system if it's connected 24-7. So wow. update, upgrade, backup. I think I might just stop using the internet. Yeah, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> just, you know, don't go home and burn off your fingerprints and hide under a mattress and pull down the shades. Look, unless you're going to live in a log cabin on Loon Lake and live off the grid, the reality is that it's gonna we are connected, we're interconnected, we're surrounded by billions of the Internet of Things devices. That's kind of my parting thought. Uh, everything, practically, that you get these days you can connect to the internet for whatever reason. And whether it's the HVAC system in your home, the security system, the newest coolest toy for your kid, your refrigerator, your coffee pot, all of these devices now come with a manufactured default password. Every one of those passwords is for sale in the black market right now. And cyber thieves are gonna be, they crawl through the internet looking for weak passwords, on Internet of Things devices, TVs, cameras and computers, all the like, and then they seize them, they use them as botnets to bring down websites, they also use it as points of weakness to get into your network where they can wreak havoc uh, in your life. So when you get one of those things, change the password. Read the manual, change the password, just make sure it's not some really silly password. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Adam, we definitely appreciate your time, and we will list all the uh, all the appropriate websites and information where people can find out more about you and your company. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share, sir? No, no, that's, that's great. You can come to cyberscout.com for the company. You can go to adamlovin.com for me. Thanks for scaring us. <laughs> Thank you, remember, guys, scaring is caring. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. You, you as well. Bye-bye. You ever feel like you forgot to do something? Me too. As always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.